0: Shall we begin?
1: The fuck are we waiting for?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Real Real Podcast. That was our esteemed guest, Cody, who's joining us once again for this round of Patreon movie choices. Woo! So I am your
2: host, Drew. Uh, This is Jack. Jack! Jack! I never liked Clive. (laughs)
1: And this is Cody. Oh, guys,
3: if you've never uh, joined us before, we are a movie review show that uh, takes a movie with a different genre every two weeks, fortnightly, and uh, we uh, match them together and give you our thoughts. But this time around, since we're still waiting for Nathan to, you know, acclimate to his uh, new home in Arizona, we decided to uh, tackle our Patreon movie choices and Once again, we thank all of our patrons. We love you guys to death. Thank you. Uh, I hear
2: we have a a new
3: patron. Oh, we do have a new patron. This is a, uh, ironically enough, it's one of my students. Uh, So he decided to join up on Patreon. And uh, it's kind of funny. I saw him in class and I was like, what's that? Was that you? And he just kind of like smiled and like walked to his desk.
2: Subsidizing <laughs> public school education <laughs> via our shit post podcast. Thank you, sir.
3: <laughs> so, yeah, no, we're uh, we're constantly gaining gaining some new patrons. And guys, if you want to become a patron be of the Ruthless podcast constantly, you know what? Mm. Fine. We are we're uh, gradually every now and then in a blue moon rarely
1: getting getting new patrons it's practically the same thing
3: i know <laughs> but if you guys want to join us up on patreon go to the real fills podcast you know search it up on patreon you can become some of the realist fans out there get some awesome real phil swag maybe even choose a movie for us to review in the seasons but uh today is another one of our patreon movie choices
2: and if folks you are joining us for the first time Maybe put pause on this. Oh yeah, and pause. go back into our catalog. It's a, uh, it's a fine film, but uh, this is not one we chose, and it's I think one that. Um, well, I guess I guess we'll just get into it. Did so, you- Drew, go ahead. What what are we watching? <laughs>
1: and who is our patron? Did you just tell people not to listen to this episode and go back and listen to your older shit? If this
2: is their first time.
1: Oh yeah, well.
2: It's sort of like, it's you know, it's like the, this the first time you, you go and you're like, I'm going to get an escort tonight. And they're like, would you like a like a hand job with this glove I made that has <laughs> shards of glass glued to it? And you're like, well, oh, not really. <laughs> as, as smooth <laughs> as that metaphor
0: Tail it's
2: is. Roll, time. roll the trailer. <laughs> it's bean footage, sir.
3: It's bean footage. So we are uh, going to be reviewing 1993's Shadowlands. And uh, this movie was chosen by my Oh,
2: Mr. Hallam, I'm so (laughs) sorry, so sorry. And
0: bean footage. Another dispatch from Mrs. Gresham. Her letters are rather unusual. She writes as if she knows me somehow. Still, I suppose there is something with me in my books, isn't there?
3: Anybody here called Lewis?
0: She was a stranger. To his world.
3: That you don't look at all like C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Oh,
0: an outsider. I imagine assuming you're from the United States of America. Yes, I am. In his circle. I oh, should just a friend, a writer. Well, Jack, you have succeeded in surprising me.
1: So what do you do here? Teach mainly. What do they do? Sit at your feet and gaze up at you and all?
0: You don't give up, do you? Now, I regard the soul as an essentially feminine accessory. Where men have intellect, women have soul. She said what he could not say.
1: Are you trying to be offensive or just merely stupid?
0: I'm impressed.
1: Well, let's hope you stay that way. Americans don't understand
0: about inhibitions. She saw. You've arranged a a life for yourself where no one can touch you. What he would not see. Why are you getting at me? I thought we were friends. She took him to a place. Joy, I'm capable of saying no. Want a demonstration? No.
3: No. No.
0: <laughs> he never knew existed. I want to marry you, Joy, before the world. A place within the shadows of his heart. How could Joy be my wife? I'd have to love her, wouldn't I? I'd have to care more for her than for anyone else in this world. Savoy Pictures is proud to present. One of the most extraordinary love stories of our time. Anthony Hopkins. You were alive before and I wasn't.
3: What do you mean?
0: I started living when I started loving you. Deborah Winger. Thank you, my love. Before.
1: For all of it.
0: Shadowlands. Based
1: on a true story well that was great
2: <laughs> <laughs> i'm uh, i'm riveted i'm ready to go they've really sucked me in for this uh this movie uh, this was my first watch uh cody have had you seen this opus before yes oh yeah. when and why
1: um i'm fairly sure it was like uh, okay, so like I like period films. Like I honestly do. In fact, some of my favorite films like Dead Poets Society are set in like, you know, or other less worthy efforts like The Emperor's Club. Like do you remember like Toy Soldiers, like the Preparatory Academy movie with, like, Tom Cruise back in, like, 86. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, that was kind of, like, one of those movies that I watched as a kid, and I kind of liked it, and then I saw Dead Poets Society. So, I've always liked, like, those kind of, like, Preparatory School and College movies, and uh, I haven't seen this before. I, well, I, 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 liked, I liked it a lot like more that, when I first
3: saw it. I like that you mentioned, I mean, obviously, Dead Poets Society, because I adore... That's a superlative work. I adore that film. And to bring up Kevin Klein with Emperor's no, Club... Good for you. That's good. Uh, This was also my first time watching it. However, growing up, I constantly, when I would like dig through our little plastic tubs of like VHSs, like I'm going to watch something, go to my room, pop it in. My parents had the VHS of this. So I constantly always saw it. And just even the cover just kind of like screamed at me like. This is going to be slow. This is well, this is not a movie for a child. This is this is definitely like an adult movie, and so from like a young age, I just constantly had that image of it in my mind, and i I just avoided it. I avoided it at every cost. I didn't really watch it.
1: But it also, it, it also wasn't like a standalone movie. There was like you know Howard's End. There's North and South. There's um. Prince of Tides? No, 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 no. Uh, uh, Lawrence <laughs> Olivia was in the very first adaptation. Uh, Jane, Jane Eyre's Jane Austen's um, Pride and Prejudice. Pride and Prejudice. I mean, like those those period romance films that sure. are that are kind of slow. Those those emotionally charged, dialogue foot. driven. You know. Yeah, oh,
2: and and this does come from a, a, a an actual play, right? A screenplay. Yes. Uh, that was then televised I believe around 1985 and then later adapted into 1983s and which is also available on YouTube (laughs) Mm -hmm. as is the original and I'd like to say like sometimes when Drew when you say like oh great it's available on YouTube I'm like oh wonderful and then I'm like there's a reason you're on
1: YouTube, I, I isn't know. there? I didn't even check. I just but bought it off of Amazon. No, it Christ, it's on
2: YouTube. You can I, watch this for free. Who the fuck goes to YouTube to watch movies? I always double-check.
1: A movie because...
3: like
2: this? <laughs> <laughs> no, there one of my favorite movies ever is uh, Kids in the Hall Brain Candy. That's on YouTube. I get that because it's so fucking niche. Yeah. Uh, but this, again... I feel yeah. like there's not a huge audience of people out there that's like, you know what? We need to watch tonight Shadowlands. <laughs> yes.
3: Anthony Hopkins and Shadowlands. Now, I mean, it, it did. There's nothing
2: wrong with it on this. No, 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 no. And
3: that's what I'm saying. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. But I, I feel like it is just the the simplicity of the plot. And I hate to say simplicity of the plot for, you know, it being based on a true story. And it, it, it almost, like, tries to, like, poo-poo, like, you know, the ongoings of C.S. Lewis's life and, you know, his future wife. But it's it's also kind of neat to look at everything that went into it, especially where you're all like, oh, produced by David at- or by, by Richard Attenborough directed directed by Richard Attenborough. And I was like, oh, so just a couple of months beforehand, we had him going, welcome to Jurassic Park. Like, now he's also...
2: <laughs>
3: so he directed this, and then I kind of went back into his filmography. The man also directed Chaplin, and he, he directed
2: Gandhi. He directed one of my favorite films, A Bridge Too Far, yeah. starring Alec Guinness, a.k.a. Obi-Wan Kenobi. So, I mean, it's... The original O B. It's neat. Okay.
3: It's neat to look at, and I like those things where you can actually learn about, you know, an actor he also that, had a bit an part in Great Escape. yeah. I like learning about those things where you get to see the history of these people where it's like, oh, they weren't just actors. They're also like directors. Like over the over this past weekend, I watched uh, I watched Duplex with Ben Stiller and Drew Barrymore. And I didn't know that that was directed and written and produced by Danny DeVito. And I thought that was kind of funny.
1: I think that goes to the heart of what's really wrong with this film, though, is it's it's really one note. I mean, I think I mentioned this to you already. I mean, he's got one speech that they constantly replay, and he's got one book that they constantly reference, and this has one aspect of his life that they're fucking wallowing in. I mean, it isn't that it doesn't do anything poorly, because it doesn't. It just doesn't do anything exceedingly well either. Mm. And because it's one note, I mean, it's like the ending where they spend twenty minutes on just like I'm dying again, and it just keeps going. It's like uh, the movie about the sinking boat, right? Poseidon, no, Titanic. Titanic. <laughs> We're like, just, just fucking die already. You know? <laughs> oh, no, no, and, and I and I agree, but
3: and it's again not to like poo-poo C.S. Lewis's life, but like that was his claim to fame. It's like. Oh, cool. You wrote Narnia. You're an established that academic. Depends upon
1: who you talk to, because I think his best work is mere Christianity. And even if you're an atheist, there's a lot there to think about. No, it's a good work. That's what I'm saying. Oh, my God. Stuff. They could have lifted anything out of that book and it would have been better than his fucking God with a sadistic chisel speech. There's, you know, but the only but reason yeah, they there's keep other stuff using that he had that speech is because, you know, it plays into the fact that. This is a lonely old man who knows nothing about love and nothing about sex. And Seth. he lives with and his look. brother,
2: and his servants bring him tea.
1: Right, like he's totally disconnected, and he's got these weird, isolated ideas. Like he—he was made for the internet age. You know, he would have been a QAnon in this day and age. You know, he's, uh.
2: so this movie it reminded me of sort of an overly long, boring
1: episode of *Downton Abbey*. Uh, I've never seen this show.
2: Well you probably wouldn't like it but uh, it, it is pilot. it is also a period piece it's 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 got the the slow burn that usually pays off but in this case for me this movie didn't have any emotional payoff and i am the first one to admit like i watched movies on airplanes and have been hiding my tears like there i'm perfectly capable of crying and and having that emotional connection with the movie but this movie didn't deliver any sort of emotional payoff for me even though the reviews that i read stated that it was just a, just a real tearjerker and i get that i get that and and so i'd like to state uh, just a little anecdotal story evidence here because anecdotal is a story but um So in Dayton, Ohio, my hometown, there is a a wonderful steakhouse called the Pine Club. It's been there since 1947. And since 1947, nothing has changed. The bartender's wearing a tuxedo. They have the same menu. The food is delicious. It's some of the best steaks you can have. But there's nothing about it that really says, wow. This was really an experience. You basically just roll in there and you order your prime course of uh I'll have some uh um uh, Christ. Is it just
3: like tradition? And like that's what you experience yeah, is the it, tradition? Exactly,
2: exactly. But you you know, I'll I'll take uh you know the the classically trained British actor. With the side of the the you know the the Jersey accented with a, Brooklyn a side of Deborah Winger, De- Deborah Winger, <laughs> uh, and uh, I'll have a vodka gimlet with that, uh, even though I don't like it. Let's throw in that kid from Jurassic Park, uh, and 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 you know you pay your money, you get your experience. But at the end of the day, there was nothing all that different about it than mm. getting a steak most other places like it. There was nothing that set this movie apart from the in another in other words there's nothing that is going to say to me you know what i want to watch tonight shadow shadowlands, shadowlands. <laughs> there were or moments... do you know where i want to go eat tonight pine club why so i can pay for some overpriced steaks from some uh some tuxedoed waiter
3: waitresses I, I think there were good moments between deborah winger and anthony hopkins especially with just like the the the, the playfulness where you know he he says oh so i i guess i should propose, like, will you marry me? And, you know, as she's like laying in the bed dying, she's like, oh, I guess just this once. Like, there are there cute
1: little quips well, back and forth. Well, hold on. There was good dialogue. Yeah, no. And, and I'll it be was. the first to admit that the writing wasn't terrible, but the performances very rarely lived up to it. Um, Anthony Hopkins, when he squinted a tear, that was probably the most emotional moment of the film. Oh, in the attic? When, uh in the attic with the boy and he sitting and she said I miss her. Now, when he finally has to admit to somebody else that he's in love with the dame, you know. Oh, when, when he's in the church. Right, when he's in the church. Mm. Like No! Sorry, I was
2: quoting Anthony Hopkins. What? Uh, <laughs> when he was speaking with the uh the uh, was it the the priest after his uh his his wife had died and they're like, "Oh, it's all right, old chap." yeah jo- jolly good uh, oh yeah yeah
3: and he said like oh you know god's there it's fine it's gonna be all right don't oh! tell me it's fine
1: yeah I, I might have had a cigarette at that scene
3: no but, but i agree like he well does... if
1: you've been watching on uh, youtube you could easily pause, <laughs> pause
2: it.
3: no but I, I do like that scene where he has to like yell back and forth and then he tells him like don't tell me it's gonna be okay like don't patronize me in this manner but you're but you're right when he's in the uh, church with the priest and he has to like sit there and say like but she's my wife I, I love her. I had I would have to love her, right? That's a good scene, Cody.
1: You yeah, know it is, and it's the last good scene, unfortunately. And that's part of the problem I had with the ending. Is it's tw- it's it's like ending a symphony with just you know nothing but C, you know, and it just keeps going without any variation or change, and it's like. Yeah, you know, I I told him I felt like, you know, Warner Herzog was on the set eating his shoe, shouting more sadness. You know? <laughs> more
2: sadness.
1: Yeah. yeah. Because it's like it, it, it doesn't let up, but it also doesn't impact. And it's it's uh it's
2: not, not... Is, he, is he off camera throwing like bricks at the actor actors' <laughs> knees to try if, to get a more of only. an
1: emotional response out of them? But you know, there was another ending for this film. I did not. Yeah. Um so At the time, the original vision for the ending of the show was going to be... He
2: caught an STD from, like, the one time he consummated marriage with this filthy American woman. (laughs) No, no, it was... Forrest, here's your child. Here's the AIDS baby.
1: (laughs) One one of the producers was concerned that, you know, that... Uh, the, the uniformity of it was going to lull people into sleep or, compla- or complacency. And I, he was I, right. And <laughs> so, I can see that. And so the suggestion was that they bring in uh, Jimmy the Milkman Mulligan and Jesse the Body Ventura and have a tag team match <laughs> and you were going to get to see the infinite sadness suplex from Anthony Hopkins <laughs> and then Deborah Winger with her uh, repeating cancer flying double drop kick.
2: <laughs> um, I've just seen uh, like the gif of Vince McMahon go where he's like, Ah!
1: <laughs> Yeah, but uh, you know,
3: I just want Jesse Ventura in a wig saying like, "But you got
1: cancer. I ain't got time to die." (laughs) It could have. Tom, you got the diamond cutter DDP. (laughs) I think Edinburgh really could have made it work, but they decided to go a different direction.
2: (laughs) Jesus.
1: Well, I mean, it was it was a bad time for AWA wrestling. You know, <laughs> WWF was in ascendancy.
2: WCW was getting bought and out WCW, in the late nineties.
1: Yeah. No, it was you know, uh, it uh, was it was
2: a rough it, time. It, the Wolfpack jumped the uh, jumped the fence for
1: WWF. Oh, and, and which is then about,
2: now WWE.
1: Let's not forget about Jericho. Yeah, you know, yeah it was, Kevin yeah. Nash. Oh man, and, uh, oh, the glory man. days.
2: Powerball.
3: Interestingly enough, it was nominated for two
2: Oscars. Yeah, well, most yeah. movies in the 90s were for this sort of shtick.
3: What's weird is that Hopkins was nominated for a completely different movie at the 94 Oscars. A, a better movie. A, and, and a better movie, and he won for it, right? Didn't he win for it? Um,
1: or he or at
3: least he at least got nominated for it, but and think, it was not I think, this.
1: I think Winger, This was her third Academy Award, if I remember correctly, and her and her last one. She didn't was, well, she didn't win for this.
2: Is there she anyone was here wasn't she? Named she was supporting, she? She was nominated
1: for supporting. Just no, oh, okay. Yeah, just nominated. Is there
2: anyone here named Lewis? And that trope got old real quick with the uncouth American. Yeah, yeah she writes poetry. Oh, poetry. Yeah. Well, she ten
1: At least they didn't pretend it was good, though. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. But, yeah. So
2: Shadowlands, 1993. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins, Deborah Winger. Uh, oh, boy. Joseph Mazzello,
3: I was pleasantly surprised because, again, I knew nothing about this movie aside from the fact that it was... Just Anthony Hopkins playing C.S. Lewis. I didn't know that, you know, it was going to be the story of him finding his wife and her bringing the kid, which even in real life, there were two kids. But to have Joseph Mazzello suddenly pop on the screen and you're like, holy crap, it's the kid from Jurassic Park. He must have just been doing this just months after finishing Jurassic Park. But I do I do love his childlike innocence going up into the attic. Like, is there an attic?
2: I'm going to ask if there's an attic.
3: Well, ask him. And there's an attic. Of
2: course, addict. there's a wardrobe.
3: And there's up a there. wardrobe up there. And he looks inside, and you know, he says like, "Oh, I'm afraid it goes nowhere." And he's like, "Yeah, no, I, I knew, I knew that. It's, a, it's a stupid wardrobe, anyway. Like, I mean, I just the disappointment of a child where he wants something more. He wants something exciting, and I get it.
2: Where's my magical wardrobe, old man? He wants something more."
3: Than what his world is right now because he's just trapped. I mean, like it seems like mom is just dragging him around so she can have the chance to like knock boots with C.S. Lewis. No, no, no.
1: I don't. I don't think that's what she came there for. I think she was looking for another life. I think she kind of started clutching at straws at a certain point when it didn't pan out with a publisher. Like I don't think she was looking. To leave her well, marriage,
3: but eh. I, I think her
1: marriage was over, and she was looking for a new
3: life. Well, she—well, no, no, she definitely knew that the marriage was over because she recognizes the signs from the brother who's an alcoholic, and she recognizes that like there can be you know, more to that, more violence to that. And, but like yeah, the son. But saying, in a
1: relationship, it really doesn't matter how much you know about how bad the situation is. I mean, you have to cut that emotional connection. The fact you have a kid and you have a life. It's not an easy decision, which is no. why she was elsewhere trying to figure out what and to for do her, next.
3: And for her, she was yeah. she was upholding that. Because when, he, when the kid's at the dinner table for Thanksgiving and saying like, I want to call dad. And she's like, well, that's not happening. But I want to talk to dad. You're not doing that. Like she's setting up a firm boundary because she knows if she opens maybe. that door or maybe it's she be knows bad. what kind your of guy's
2: with his horse,
3: <laughs> right? Like, I mean, it's your raspberry jam.
1: <laughs> it could be less that she's trying to partition her old life from her new one and more that she's trying to protect him from what he might encounter on the other end. Like the sounds of, of another family having a good fucking, you know, sure. Christmas while he's over there. I mean, it's, I don't know. I think it's more complicated than you're giving credit for.
3: I mean, I, I, I can see that, but I mean, I don't know. It, it, I think for, again, the simplicity of the plot, like there's not enough delving into it. You can guesstimate and you can think about like what it possibly is exhibiting, but there's not enough there to really know.
2: This movie doesn't really scratch the surface. It doesn't go into his c.s lewis literary accomplishments no. very much glosses over that well, it's not about any of those things yeah and it's, it's not a, it's a goddamn yeah, love story it's a love it's story a, you know. but i i in my in the course of my research i like how the uh, the chaste sort of well not chase but the rather reserved brother that uh, c.s lewis's brother warren c.s lewis died on the same day as john f kennedy so john f kennedy's death really overshadowed the news of c.s lewis's death But not only that, it's because his brother went on such a bender after C.S. Lewis died to deal with his grief. He just didn't tell anybody that his brother had died, so nobody really knew, and hardly anybody showed up to his funeral.
1: Well, he also didn't tell anybody... Well, I mean, C.S. Lewis himself didn't even tell anybody he was married. That just seems like it might have been the the British thing to do, is just not tell people about your shit. This
2: movie is rife with the stiff upper lip.
1: But I think also, like, Lewis had had so much
3: like grief in his life which is also like his his little speech that he keeps repeating like god wants us to feel pain like god wants things to happen to us where he he even talks about how like if you, almost like the idea that if you don't have good expectations or you don't plan for good things to happen then you can never be disappointed and and for him to like you know not announce his marriage or not even like expect her to come back like he's he's pining and he's missing her but He's never expecting her to come back. It's like when he's in the bar and he's talking to the British dude who, you know, he says, like, I don't like I, I, I hate days like these. Like, give me the cold and the snow or give me like the pouring rain no, that, or anything that was like in that. That wasn't
1: the bar. That was the library. At the off, library, right? you're
3: right, sorry. And he's like, I, I hate the days where it's it's nothing. Like there's nothing that is meaningful to it, right? It's it's almost just like you're you're there. You're existing in it.
2: And I've I've been to that bar. I've I've had a pint in the eagle. Oh, yes. Which is something that I think that they dropped the ball on is really showcasing the beauty of Oxford.
1: You know, that's funny because I actually felt in the other direction because this is post-war Britain. Mm-hmm. And I sort of felt like filming it in 86, you kind of missed you know, the history of what had just occurred there just a few years before. And I sort of feel like all of those pristine and beautiful shots, while incredibly well lit and very well orchestrated and set, like, well, I feel that it didn't represent the period well, and I think the people were like, they were too far removed from that history that they were supposed to be existing in. And I would have liked to have seen more of that.
2: So, those, some of those uh, choir uh, presentations, Good sense, yeah. uh, the church that they sang that in, all their stained glass was removed during World War II. Right. Because it was so valuable, it was made by mm-hmm. some artisan, and it was, you know, one of the last existing examples of his work I know they that. completely removed that from the cathedral during world war ii because they were afraid the germans were going to bomb it and they packed it off so during world war ii they would have their concerts and they would have their sermons and their church in basically a windowless cathedral <laughs> with the uh, the weather just <laughs> whistling through there's also like oxford is crossed by canals all over the place and people would skull sort of like in venice with the pole boat, pole and votes man, throughout, and that was also just like another mode of of, uh, of just transportation. Yeah. Going to class. and they didn't really cover really yeah, a lot of this elements, stuff. Yeah, those great elements,
1: especially if you were encountering for the first time. Like I would have, and just wondering at like what life was like then. And in a period piece, I feel like that's always a drop ball when like it doesn't make you feel you know, the period. Well, not only that, but like realize that people lived much differently than you would suspect. Oh, yeah. Like
3: he's like she said, like, oh, how long, you know, have you been here? And he's all like, oh, well, you know, like this is my room and that's my brother's room. And uh, it's been for the last 20 years. And you're like, oh, so you just you've had this house for 20 years. Like, where's what what has happened? Like, is this the same decoration? Is this the same maid who's like, you know, making your breakfast and changing the sheets? And, and
2: are these both like confirmed bachelor brothers? I mean, I I'm think he, I think sure. the bro-
3: yeah, yeah, they're definitely confirmed bachelor brothers. And then you almost wonder like what the property is itself because this is a nice little three story cottage, and apparently there's like I, the man made lake.
1: Nice is taking it a step too far. I liked it because liked it reminded it. me of Toad Hall, where like on the <laughs> on the inside it's kind of posh, but it's a swamp and totally unkept on the outside.
3: Right, that's you know? but that's also what I'm trying to think of, like, well, that's, like, that's an English garden, you know. Like, it's... what's this area? Like, where
1: are they exactly? And
3: so, I don't know. I, I liked, I liked a lot of things for like, uh, cinematically looking over the landscape. Like when they to, when they go to the top of the tower and they look over London, and he says, like, oh, sometimes they bring the choir up here for the New Year or something, and they they do their singing, and she's like, oh, how is it? And he said, I don't know, I've never been. Never been up that early. Well, yeah, <laughs> but at the same time, I mean,
1: it's like, how often do you go to New York and talk to friends that have lived there their entire lives? You know, like, yeah, you ever been to Staten Island? They're like, no, no, fuck that tourist shit. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> oh, yeah, that's uh, that's true to life. My buddy
2: is like, avoid Times Square
1: at yeah. all costs. Like,
2: do not go there. And
1: yeah. that's even without the memory of it being like a fucking slum from the 70s and oh, 80s. Oh, yeah. man, that
2: is, uh, there is a, uh, a documentary I saw about um, one of the killers that was operating in New York and New Jersey In, like, the 1970s, 1980s. And most of that was about how Times Square, up from, like, 42nd Street, was just, like, filth central of America. Yeah. Like, that's where they invented the peep show. And, like, you could go in and buy tickets and watch just a show where it would be a bed on a stage. And two people come out. And they fuck. And you could watch them. And get served drinks, but and that boggles my mind. If you
1: want that experience, they still have it in Thailand.
2: <laughs> yes, and yes,
1: and sure. what's great about the bars over there is they have rotating themes, so you can watch sumo <laughs> wrestling right afterwards, <laughs> and then things involving donkeys. Following that, it's it's a very culturally enriching experience.
3: Well, the floor is already slick. Let's get some sumo. No, no they, they have care. stages. They're not I primitives. Know. It's a joke, Cody. If you dissect it, it's not as funny.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but but. Shadowlands didn't leave any sort of in, like indelible mark or any mark on me. And, and as I stated earlier, there's nothing that's going to drive me back to watching this film again unless like one of the boys or, or whatever, in the future, they have to do a report on C.S. Lewis. I probably even wouldn't say then. Unless they wanted to take that report a completely different way.
1: No, no, I I absolutely have to agree, and I think again that goes to the heart of the issue is it's just the fact that it's it's monotone, it's the sa- it's mm. it's it's unending tepid sameness.
2: Cody, did you ever see uh, the old Family Guy episode no, skit where I can, uh, I can say no? Right
1: they, now. they they
2: they <laughs> cut I to the not. scene where they're uh, doing an example of, of British pornography, and it's <laughs> just a, a you know like a guy with bad teeth going.
0: Peter, the toilet paper is made of money. Yeah, and look at this. They even got some of that high-class British porn. Almost. All almost, almost. There we are. Well
1: done. Hey, for the record. Thank you. That's a no. I have not seen this thing.
2: <laughs> I don't blame you. But that's what this movie reminded me of. It was sort of like the Werther's original of romantic movies. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, it's something that I think my grandparents would have just
1: adored well if if you had any kind of nostalgia for the period or even things that were evocative of the period whether you lived through them or not then yeah there's there's things to appreciate Uh, i think it's very romanticized depiction of that era you know what that era aspired to be even if it actually wasn't and there's some value in that but whether or not you can appreciate it it's going to be person to person and for me it just it didn't resonate very well I liked what I saw. I didn't like it well enough to ever see it again.
2: And, and I didn't really have a horse in this race as far as C.S. Lewis is concerned. I acknowledge his impact on modern society uh, as, as a writer. But um, for me, like I never read any of his books. My best was the Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe cartoon uh, that was made sometime in like the late 70s or the 80s. Uh, I know they had movies that came out. I think I saw the first one. Um, Nathan
3: loves the first one
2: well but but again you know I watched this a similar opus about Tolkien and along similar lines like yeah it was a f- it was fine but
1: I'm never gonna watch that movie but again. the most interesting thing about Tolkien I mean to, to rabbit trail for a moment here like you can't depict it in a film like all artists are weirdos. Every fucking one of them. Oh, yeah. Like, like, I mean, you Edgar Allan Poe marrying his 13-year-old cousin. Like, there's a reason these people are deviants and they don't have normal nine-to-five jobs. GRR
2: Martin with weirdos. this fucking sailor's cap.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, or fucking, who's the Scientology guy who also wore the... Guy oh, L. L. Ron sailors, Hubbard? Right? L. Ron Hubbard, right. But anyway, but like, when you go into like what Tolkien wrote and his thoughts uh, on the medieval period... Incredibly insightful. Incredibly interesting. And his favorite poem was The Wanderer, which uh, if you guys have never read it, you should. It's an excellent poem. Like, these are things that are intensely interesting. They're great for conversation. Mm -hmm. Shoot a fucking movie about it. Good luck, you know? Right. Which I think is also why the Tolkien film is purely of of his younger years. I wasn't even aware there was such a thing.
3: Yeah, it it has the uh, young guy who played Beast in the uh, X-Men First Class film. Yeah, um, he played. I haven't seen this thing. He either. played young young Tolkien, and it was, it was, it was, it was good. But again, like it, it's not something I'm going to go back to. Much like Shadowlands, like I mean, unfortunately, for a movie that I can't, I can't like place anything like crucially negative on it. But no, it, I it, think. But I think the I think the the downside to it is that it is forgettable, and that's not to again poo poo the choice. That's that's just. It, I think it gets overshadowed. And I think it's just one of those things that if you liked it, you liked it then. And it's pure nostalgia. Like, I mean, sitting here and, and when I was watching it for the first time, I was watching it with my dad. He was sitting here and he was just like he was eyes wide and loving it. Like I paused it for a second and it was when they went up to the office and I paused it for half a second to like refill a drink or something. And he was all like. Okay, so she doesn't know that she has cancer yet. And I'm like,
2: what the fuck? Is that why <laughs> like, she's limping?
3: Like immediately. Like I know it was going to like, something was going to show like 30 seconds later. And it does. But I'm just like, but like how excited he was to like watch it and go into and like share that with me. Like he was super, he was super excited with it. Watching it again, like going on where he was all like, see, this is, this is where like the, the idea of God and questioning God. And like, why does God do this? Why does God allow this? Because for when he was watching this in 1993, Like I was like a seven year old kid and like my parents were and still are in some aspects and actually in a lot of aspects, like very, very conservative. So the Christian, the Christianity aspect of this is like potent it's, for it's him. It's
2: definitely got yeah, the touch by the angel right. vibe. Where it's a safe
3: and for him, movie and for him, it was potent for him. And, that, I, and I can uh, understand like, why he liked it so much. There's for that.
2: not, there's nothing about this movie that is going to raise anybody's eyebrows. And the highest the eyebrows no. get raised is when well, she did a lot American, of who is who is an unmarried mother, and that that sort of brings me to my next point. Is that I and and Cody, you you had a specific term for this, but I find it hard. To watch movies like this, you know, a romantic tragedy. Because this movie is playing itself out in a lot of people's lives every day. Many people have relatives or a wife or a husband that they fell in love with that gets cancer and they die. And it's tragic and it's sad. But watching C.S. Lewis's account of this... I don't see how that validates or assuages wow. or explains this film.
1: Any of that. This film was made in '86, though. No, '93. No, oh shit! You're right. It was '93. Okay. Well, my argument loses some of its power. <laughs> but nope. That that that. You like nope, it's that, that pretty much undermines my entire argument. <laughs> but what I was going to say was, if it had been filmed in the '80s and. I if it was filmed in '93, the screenplay was probably drafted between '90 90 and '91. A yeah, couple of years. Yeah, I mean,
2: it was it was on stage like, in the early life, '80s.
1: Life and healthcare was like entirely different in the '80s than it is now. Like, sure, people, yeah,
2: but she died in 1960. When sure. the, when she had bone I, cancer I, in the '50s, it was sort of like, "What's the treatment?" But she, morphine. What I'm saying she died. There's a four lot of people She died
1: young yeah. without knowing that cancer was even attributed to it. Like, yes, people dealt with these tragedies, but there's a different level to that tragedy when you know it's coming instead of just like, I feel poorly. Now I'm dead. You know? And that was but most they knew what experience. it was. Well, yeah, but being aware... And she
2: had it. her period of remission. And they had their like... Going to Wales and finding the uh, the hidden that, that valley. That was honestly that
1: was the beginning of the end for the movie where it started. And, uh, out. Uh, when when she looks, she's like, "What is that?" And and he's it's, like, it's "I just don't know." Like, just it fuck was... her
2: in the hayloft. I don't care if you're gay. <laughs> fuck her in the hayloft. Like give give the old biddy you know something before she goes. I didn't.
3: It, it was. Uh, it, I know that
2: sounds callous, and I apologize. No, <laughs> but I mean nervous. the, the yeah, ending. i well, I, I realized that.
3: The ending where they like where they do go to the little valley and they they see. You know this thing that was depicted on his childhood wall—the painting where he's like, "I have no idea if if it's even there." It, it got a little Hallmarky for them to be like. Oh, really?
2: The Hallmark movie got (laughs) Hallmarky
3: to be walking away and like holding the boy's hand because, like, uh, like for the longest time in the film, he almost like he didn't know how to interact with the child. He didn't know how to console the child. He didn't know how to deal with the child. The child. But I mean, even when the brothers all like, you need to like talk to him he's like who it's like the boy he's all like i can't do that right now but it's like he he didn't know how to handle with the
1: kid but when it comes well, to the moment that they're in the attic that's the att- point of the movie no, 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 get he that. Didn't he didn't start to live until the moment grows. he met her right and he, you you know? Know? he that grows. was when he started to figure out what life was like with other people exactly. and not inside of his own mind with his own warped no, perspective on I how things worked
3: and i agree and and i and as the the moment where they're in the attic and he says and the, and the kids like i miss her and then Hopkins breaks down it's it's completely different set of emotions but you have a duality of loss because you have the loss of a child who is now devastated that his mother is dead and you have a man who is devastated at the loss that he has a love that he thought he would never find so you have two completely different like emotions just like clashing but they're finding the same headwind
2: yeah but you know when you when you tear the veil off of this uh you know she died in 1960 c.s lewis died in 1963 do you know who c.s lewis is buried with his brother because it was unseemly (laughs) for him to be married with the uh uh the the american woman uh, who was also (laughs) jewish
1: well, at the uh, same time, when you die, you don't always get to choose where you're buried. I mean, that could have been well, his brother's but decision, but that's
2: that's not always true.
1: That's not always true. I'm just saying that unless you know for sure, that's that's kind of speculative.
2: Yeah, but this is more politics than than actual uh, semantics here.
1: I'm just trying not to attribute too much to. I mean, I don't know, like the relationship with his brother. I mean, they were lifelong. That was 25 no, no, years, and, of them and sharing that's and house. that's fine. But but I mean, you, I, you know, if this is the
2: Tale is old as time, where they have this this wonderful love, <laughs> well, and, 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 and I don't think that's and, what it was meant
1: to be. Yeah, I think that's I, where the movie kind of whiffles is because this is about the transform transformative power of you know, impact. That's the
2: power of love,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, it's that cheesy, but I mean, it's also that significant. We all experience these things, and even though it's only profound, I mean, love is boring except for the people involved. You know, from the outside, it's always boring. You mm. know, it, it only resonates if you have something. To connect with it with, you know, and obviously this movie didn't for you, right? But, like, it it was about how she changed his life, about the person he'd been that entire time, you know, and and how he was never that person again, you know, I I don't know. But they
2: didn't really illustrate
1: what he was... No, no, no. And, and again, like, like this is the besides the him film, being
2: sort of a stuffy scholar right.
3: in Oxford,
1: you're supposed to just like come into the movie. Uh, there was, like, I guess, uh, understanding. Was, uh, the the was, only times they touch on that is when he's dealing with a student and he's like, oh, hey, that shit you said, that's kind of profound. Oh, you know? yeah. And the, we we this read. It was right. We read. It, uh, that to know student that we're not was alone. James yeah. Frain, who uh,
2: I had trouble recognizing him. He plays Sarek in the new uh, yeah. Star Trek.
3: He also plays uh, one of the villains in the TV show Grimm. Towards the end, yeah, of the show. I'll
1: leave that up. To uh, you. Yeah, I'm, that's fine. I'm, but
3: Sarek, yes, in Star Trek: Discovery, is yeah. the more notable.
1: But yeah, role. this movie spends so much time trying to be one thing that you know these underpinnings that could have been used to greater effect, given it more depth and explored sure. more. Yeah, they they kind of get they kind of get brushed aside and forgotten. You know, it it wasn't done particularly well. It wasn't done badly. It's still there, but it's uh it's forgettable well
2: at least they didn't ham it up like uh and I haven't seen the movies so I, I probably shouldn't be the one commenting on this but like the uh the the uh, pooh bear uh oh movies with, um uh with Obi-Wan Kenobi yeah, and with McGregor. McGregor. Like I, I haven't seen any of those movies. But it. at least they didn't have like characters from The Lion the Witch of the Wardrobe or, or, or maybe that would have been a little bit better okay. had there been like the light posts or, having... or something in the fog.
1: Okay, I think those could have been done well, but they could have been done really badly. And it's better not to try if you can't pull it off. But at the same time, like in that vein. I really really dig like Finding Neverland and like the story yes. of Ray Poppins. Like I love those two movies for exactly that. You Knowing like Finding he's... Neverland? Yeah, it's Alcoholic Colin oh, Colin Quinn, right? No, uh, no, that's no, no, Johnny Farrell. Depp. Oh, which one am I thinking of? Oh, the one about Peter Pan. It's uh, with with no, no, Jesus Christ. I'm referencing the same movie and calling yeah, it you by are. Well, I think, no, That's, 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 uh, that's, uh, that's Well, Disney
2: played by uh uh Disney, played by Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. So, we no, no,
1: know to you're, buy you're the saving movie Mr. Banks. Saving, Mr. Banks. Saving, saving Mr. Banks. Saving Mr. Banks. Yeah. I love Neverland that film. Is Johnny Depp um writing uh Peter and Wendy. I do like them both, but I was only thinking of the Saving Mr. Banks. That's and and I'm just a moron just ignore ignoring when I'm wrong that badly. But like, no, I love that film. And I like seeing like what catharsis and experiences like somebody's, you know, going through, like the, the pain that they that they utilize to make their art. Like I think that's incredibly captivating. And I don't own Mr. Banks, but I'm probably going to buy it when I get home tonight. Like I love that movie. And I think if this had done something <laughs> well, similar, I think Disney it would have been plus I don't I don't, okay. I don't. I don't okay. do subscriptions. I just buy the things I like. But I only watch like <laughs> I only buy. I only watch like two or three movies maybe a month, and I, I don't really watch television either. You know, well,
2: Drew, watch two or three movies maybe in the morning. Yeah, I know.
1: Don't smirk at me, you <laughs> bastard! You, you do thirty days of Halloween where you watch thirty movies in a month, and you watch other shit too. I don't know how you do that. That's a lot of time. Coming up on June 3rd, Brad from the Cinema
3: Guys and myself will be doing hashtag 150 days of horror. Don't brag, oh, good. Don't, don't brag about of, these one things.
1: 50? One 50. This isn't healthy, Drew. We're going to have an intervention at some point. There will be popcorn and matzo balls. <laughs> I Did
2: love you, matzo ball soup. Did ball. you like how
3: uh, the kid, when he was uh, reading at night, he had a, uh, a Hobbit book? That, that's what he was reading. Well, yeah,
2: they should have at least thrown the the audience a bone and thrown Tolkien in there they for like, just they, they knew a each other. Like, like it's, Lewis,
3: like he opened a letter from Tolkien or something. But the reference to Tolkien is his, is the kid reading The Hobbit, which is the correct cover for the time period. It was that blue, white, and green cover. Yeah, it's,
1: it's the right cover. Enjoy Rapture. <laughs> I'm glad they got that right.
2: All uh, right, so do we have anything else we want
1: to say? Absolutely about this?
2: not. <laughs> Segments.
1: Damn it, Cody! I almost got it right. I remember the word at least this time.
3: All right, Shadowlands segments. So the first one is: Has anyone ever questioned either your morals or your faith based on a particular instance? Oh, pick me, pick me. Explain it if it has occurred, Cody. No.
1: Your turn, Jack.
2: Well, think about it.
1: No, I have. I remember the question now. I did think about it. I actually spent like a day thinking about it.
2: Uh, the closest I can get, uh, it, it doesn't reflect well upon me, or maybe, I, I don't know. But So I, I picked up a, a girlfriend at the time, uh, after work, and we had driven to Vons to get the ingredients for the dinner that we're going to have that night. And we were in a heated discussion about something that I don't even remember, but I just remember it was one of those things where you got out of the car, you closed the door, and you're sort of talking over the car. And, you know, it was very back and forth. And California is rife with hobos. Yeah. really many places you turn, there is... Shopping carts, hobos, they they all seem to be encampments. They they all have a lot of dogs, but they all have a lot of connected devices. Like they they all have phones and like like I motherfucker with an iPad and like laptops and shit. But anyway, so we get approached by a, a, a woman, and it's and I and I had been. This was not the first time in this parking lot that I had been approached for money. And it was always the same thing. We're just passing through, like you know, it's the like grapes of wrath or some shit. We just need five dollars. You know, back back then, five dollars would have been maybe like what a gallon and a half, two gallons of gas. Uh, we just need five dollars of gas money. And I'm in the midst of a sort of pseudo discussion and argument with my girlfriend, and I said, I don't have time for this right now. No, and she told me that I need to go to jur- church and get more Jesus. And that kind of pissed me off a little bit, but I didn't, I didn't engage further. I was like, well, okay, well you go look for more marks. Uh, (laughs) But, and, and maybe, maybe this woman just needed my magical five bucks to get to fucking Narnia or some shit, wherever she was going. Or maybe they just needed another five bucks to, you know, get some more drugs or whatever. But, that was the one time that I, I was abrupt because usually you're like, no, no, like, oh, I, believe, I only carry cards. Like, oh, no. I was like, don't have time for you today.
1: I don't know. I'm always excited when I get help for money and I actually have some because I live on plastic <laughs> and I never have any. But when I got like five or 10 bucks in my pocket and somebody asked me, I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take the fucking thing, right? Because <laughs> I forget I have money in my wallet, and I'll never use it myself. Yeah,
2: and... I've done the same thing on uh, Stein and Meg Ming. There's that uh, Subway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the smoke uh, shop. Yeah, there's the, the Indian food store. Mm-hmm. So I had gone in there uh, to pick up some Indian takeout, and there was a couple uh, that were young. And when they're young... I give them a little bit more, you know, mm. if it's like some dude that's like, I've been living on the streets since fucking 2000. I'm like, well then you know how to survive. You don't need my five bucks. <laughs> and I gave gave them five bucks and he's like, dude, do you need like your car washed or like your fucking your house painted or something? I was like, no, just just take the money. Like <laughs> I I'm dinner. not my heart's not made of stone, but you know, if if I'm not it's sort of like the the fucking gro- the same goddamn grocery store asking you like Thank you for your purchase. Would you like to uh, donate $5 to Children's Hospital? And you're like, no, you're you a fucking $5 billion corporation. You donate $5 to the goddamn <laughs> Children's <laughs> fucking fund.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's terribly awkward at the grocery market where they ask you to, like, donate, like, two dollars to something people in the back of the line going like oh, he didn't donate two dollars
3: would
2: you he, like to round up he your, must hate children
1: would you like to round
2: up your purchase <laughs> for
1: fucking whatever month it is no and, or like when you file your taxes and they're like do you want to give the president a dollar and i'm like if he needs my dollar, he's not gonna do it. i'll, be like, well, I'll be in the line i right? like
3: talk about and they're all like yeah, would they're you, like, like, you, to you want to donate <laughs> to the fucking election fund <laughs> no.
1: absolutely not do you want to round up your bill no. and help support
3: students this month and i'll be like no i already do that i'm fucking good i'm good uh, so yeah,
2: that's that's my story, and I'm sticking to it.
3: All right, uh, I can't think of anything that is like a specific. As often as I've questioned your
1: judgment, motherfucker, you got nothing. No,
3: but I mean, like for something that's I can more fill in for you. like questioning, like like my morality, and you like, want me to feel like this my question? Faith. For you? No, I don't want you. <laughs> I've to got feel something this ready question. to go. I don't need your help, Cody. You can't even do
2: your own segments. <laughs> don't
3: don't do it wait for, for the, the translation. Answer me the round. Okay, so. When I used to be on cast for, like, Rocky Horror Picture Show with The Velvet Darkness, like, I ha- I used to have, like, our former high school youth pastor, like, look at me like I'm, like, some type of, like, immoral, like, homunculus to, like, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, like, this is my choice. This is, like, what I'm going to be doing. And, like, apparently I'm a bad person. Much like I've had other people, like, of the church that I used to attend, like, question me and say that I'm not, like, a good Christian because I... Ooh because I supported, you know, like gay rights. Okay. Or that to an extent, like I would, which is now like a hot button issue right at this moment, but like, I would support abortion to like an extent, you know what I mean? And that apparently made me like, just like a bad person, a bad religious individual. And I'm just like, well then i will fucking I, I deal feel with like that you're
2: walking into church with like your black leather jacket and, and a gay pride and, and, and no no and your hair fucking slicked back like <laughs> grease like with a cigarette hanging out your mouth like let's do some worship motherfuckers
3: <laughs> just walk up like hit the organ <laughs> christ <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, no specific Why
1: am picture of <laughs> Andrew Dry's Clay doing all
3: this. Hey! Hey! No specific instances, but like those are definite Old things that I know that numbered. have popped up in my life. I have right. more. I bet you do, Cody.
1: <laughs> I bet you do.
3: Second segment. In your life, have you ever developed a relationship with anyone, romantic or platonic, that was completely unexpected? And I'll take the reins off the start. Cody, you're it. <laughs> <laughs> Am I the patient zero here? Am I the patient zero? I mean, I think it was inevitable. But also, like, I mean, as, as like a sidebar to it, like, meeting Jack. Like in a random like, oh, did you also answer the Craigslist D D game ad? No, I mean it like, was meetup, motherfucker.
1: <laughs> it was meetup.
3: Okay, first off, luckily, I, I mean, like, I already knew Tammy, and so like she asked. Is Tammy? Tammy is uh, one of my friends who was running a D and D game at the time, and oh uh, yeah. yeah. I, oh, I remember Tammy, and she had posted, you know, a game, and that's where that's. Where I met Jack, where we also met what? Fat uh, Fat Jesus and no. Uncle Touchy. Yes, so we knew yes. you.
1: We knew you before that, surely. No, oh.
3: no, that's where
1: I met Jack. Really? Yes. Yeah. I and, feel like we've always
3: known. And through that, no. and through that, no. it elevated to Brian's game, where we met Nathan. That's for not the first an elevation. Time. I didn't say it was a good elevation. It's like a Dante's Inferno. Oh yeah, it's like the it's, seventh layer. It's, of it's hell. like going <laughs> upstairs and like. The heater is stuck on full blast, and <laughs> that's what you got to deal with. But that's where we met Nathan. Okay. And oh, you met him at his clubhouse in Paladins. So, uh, but from but from that, like, obviously, it was inevitable. I got to meet you, and by gum, I. There's no way you met me at Paladins. I wasn't. I'm only I'm there not, like no, no, not saying. What I'm and saying. I, I don't game with. Brian. What I'm saying is like through I don't Jack. Game with anybody. Through Jack, it was inevitable that I did meet you. Oh. And you know what? Well, we the only am, two smokers
1: at fucking. Uh, I am pleased. It was inevitable we would meet too. I am uh. pleased as hell. That, that, uh, that, no, that did transpire. But I yes, appreciate I that. It's nice to hear. No, that, like hell.
3: <laughs> I am very like happy hell. that happened. Like, I mean, knowing Jack for at, at least a decade now, and I'm very happy that that, that, that took place.
1: You are my friend. Sure. <laughs> it's very convincing. I mean, I'll, I almost believe you. Uh, to answer it myself, it's always a fucking surprise. I'm never looking to meet people, period. I just kind of pass through, and sometimes I stick, and sometimes I don't, but it's like, always uh, a Like Steel Wool? Yeah, more like, you know, old chewing gum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People reach under, and they're like, what is that? Oh, wow, yeah, that's yeah. Cody. Now I got it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, um, I, met, I met Brian on a bender, and then... <laughs> And then I met you through Brian because he was too goddamn timid to show up to a board game night at TJ's, and I showed up there. I believe I brought a bottle and a pack of cigarettes because my intention was just to drink on the back deck while everybody fucked around with cards and Ewoks. Yeah, and shit.
2: alienating <laughs> the 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 rest of like the gathered which, people which, which is very much like a new wheelhouse,
1: tradition, you know? <laughs>
2: But but that also brought us into scrubbins yeah, and yeah. a bunch of other things. No, it's things. been
1: it's been a it's been a wild and wonderful life. But yeah, every time it's an action, every time I've fallen in love, every time I've made a friend, it's never been uh I mean it's not like sixth grade where you just walk up to people and it's like, well, you be my friend. I like something about you, and I don't know what it is, but we can figure that out later. Yeah, yeah
2: but could it, like, you've got like an adorable sort of fucking Lenny aspect of you Who the fuck from is Lenny? of mice and men. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where you're like, I'm you re- want to be friends! <laughs> <laughs> I killed my mouse. It's like we're we're the people that you you haven't squeezed to death. So Cody's running up every time. Puppy. (laughs) Just we're we're gonna go out to Jack's place, live off the fat of the land with three or four bottles. It'll be great, because I, I believe the first time you and Drew interacted was over at my place, or socially interacted, outside of a D&D game. And there was um, some of the old uh, Brazilian Blanco uh, that uh, was happening as well.
1: I don't remember any of that.
2: Yeah, that's shocking.
1: I remember meeting you. Shocking. I, I don't remember Drew. I feel like he was just always there in the background someplace, like silently judging me from a dark corner.
2: What? <laughs> Yeah, everybody's
1: got their thing. Yeah, no kink shaming, man. Anyway, what were you gonna say?
2: Uh, so, so my segment. Uh, I think everybody's done. Yeah. Um, John and Dan Rohde. Uh You guys have met them. Nathan has. Uh, but uh, when I moved out of Ohio in 2008, I had worked at uh, a place in Belmont. Uh, Ohio, a suburb of Dayton called the Beer Depot, which is a beverage drive through which is a warehouse with with huge doors on each end where you drive your car into this building. And a college student like me walks out and goes, "Well, can I get you? <laughs> and you can get your cigarettes, your lottery tickets, your beer, your wine, your snacks. And I gather up all your shit and I bring it to you. And then you... Let me keep your change, basically. So I had met some guys there that, when I moved to Florida in 2008, uh, I was still playing video games with on the Xbox. And one of the guys that was a friend of a friend uh, in that group of friends was John Roadie, uh, Road Monster. And is we this, is this a chef in New York? Yeah, we got to become really good friends. And so in 2012. Uh, he invited me out to visit him and his wife, and I got a plane ticket to New York City, you know, LaGuardia Airport, and flew in, sight unseen of, of ever meeting this guy face-to-face. And the terror of walking up to, to, like, somebody else's apartment door after getting buzzed in, like, they buzz you in like, it's Jack. And they buzz you in, and you're you knock, you're like, you have... Got no idea if, what like, you're if like the fucking gimp suit from fucking Pulp Fiction <laughs> is going to open the door or some shit. Uh, but we got on like like best friends, and uh, we we've been playing through the years. He has flown out to California. We've 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 gone and done fucking shit out here. Uh, I've met his wife. I met all his kids. And then his brother started playing video games with us around the mid twenty teens, and. We have a weekly session where basically unless somebody has some outstanding thing, Friday nights from about seven o'clock to 10 o'clock Pacific, I play video games with these three, these other two guys. So it was like it came full circle because I met Dan for the first time at my wedding where it's like I walk up to the table where they're at and it's like I knew his wife, Jesse. I, I, I know John Rhodey, And then there's like a carbon copy of John Rhodey, but it's been like copied too many times. So it's just off. And you're like, holy shit, it's Dan. And it's just like, we're, we plan like trips and shit. Like we're going to do a trip next year where we sort of get together and just fuck around and drink and have fun. But it's one of those things that out of, out of an Xbox live membership, I never would have thought that this friendship would have evolved like i text these guys daily like we share memes like uh we if i've got a long drive or if john's like on the subway like we call each other and talk about books and shit that we're reading like it's it's a it's a a, an actual friendship but you know when people like oh you know he's my gaming buddy we met on the xbox there's not a whole lot of cachet that goes along with that but you know they're great friends and i'm glad to have met them and uh yeah, so that's my that's my story. I'm sticking to it.
1: No, I think as far as unlikelihoods go, that's pretty uh, pretty succinct. Yeah. Well,
3: that is it for our segments. Uh, what would
1: uh, what would everyone give this movie as a rating? I will give it three heaping teaspoons of fucking strawberry jelly with with your goddamn Christmas turkey. <laughs> Out of five.
2: Um, this is like like going to like a like Katz's Deli in New York and they're like, "Oh, you got to get the pastrami." It was dry, it was too fatty. You know, it tasted fine, but uh, and I had to wait in line for way too long. It's overdrawn. I'm I'm never going to go back there. I've got the experience of having seen it, but uh that's it. So I'm going to give it uh I don't know. Um Two out of six chews out of half a sandwich.
3: (laughs) I'd have to give this man uh, two and a half out of five tears rolling down that kid's face when his mom died. It's lingering with an impression, but I think that's all it really is. Uh, It's, again, not something that I'm going to come back to. I can't, like we said, definitively call out anything that's overtly wrong with it, but... It's not something that I'm going to bring up in conversation. I'm not going to come back to it. I'm not going to, like, reference it.
2: No, don't. You need to go home and watch Shadowlands for <laughs> such and such reason.
3: So, uh, yeah, two and a half, two and a half out of five. So, so we uh, uh, we thank everyone for joining us for this episode of The Real Feels Podcast for our Patreon movie choice. Coming up on episode 112 Uh, You know what? Honestly, right now it's up in the air. It might be another Patreon episode. It might be (gasps) the return of Nathan with uh, episode 12 would actually be his movie pick. So we'll have to see if he's actually up and ready to make that available for us. If not, we will come back with another Patreon pick. And uh, I want to have everyone be really excited coming up on May 19th through the 21st. It is live stream for The Cure hosted by Mr. Nicholas Haskins of Nikolai's Kitchen. We're going to be raising $20,000 for the American Cancer Research Institute. And uh, we want you guys to come out and help support, raise some money with a bunch of podcasters and content creators and just have a good time and do it for a great cause. And of course, you can always hit us up on social media. Facebook, Instagram, search for the Real Feels Podcast. We are up on Twitter at Real Fills Pod. You can send us an email at realfillspodcast at gmail.com. But more importantly, guys, you can call the Tooch line.
2: Tooch me, baby. 661-376-0030.
3: Six, six, Would love to hear from everybody. And if the Tooch line is not your style, you can always go over to the Apple Podcast app, leave a five-star review. It to
0: me now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and help boost the uh, Real Feels Podcast up in the ratings. Get the feels out there to everybody. So from all of us here, you're the realist
1: and the feel. and uh, last night I noticed on Amazon Hamburger Hill just got released. If you haven't seen it, that's an actually pretty decent flick. Go watch it. We'll catch y'all you all later. Thank you
2: Cody. <laughs>
0: Hello, everyone. My name is Nick. I'm the host of Nikolai's Kitchen, and I'm also the host of the annual Livestream for the Cure. Livestream for the Cure is a charity event where we raise money with content creators and podcast partners from around the world for the Cancer Research Institute, a wonderful nonprofit researching cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This is a mission and a future that I truly believe in. And myself and my team worked tirelessly over the past five years to raise over $50,000 for this cause. This year, we're aiming for our biggest single goal to date of $20,000, and we cannot do it without your help. Please join us for the event May 19th through the 21st, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern, for 45 hours of content from people all over the world. Together, we can bring hope for a future immune to cancer. The more eyes we reach, the more dollars we raise. Please help us in making this goal a reality. Together, we can make a difference.